2: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com.
3: And Overnight America is live, unless it's not. Isn't that pretty much the truth about anything? But you can always listen to the podcast podcast. Ryan Wrecker Radio you can get links to it on my Facebook page that way or just search for Overnight America wherever you get your podcast that's a great way to do it too so if you're listening to this after midnight yeah you can listen to it there or just continue to enjoy the power of 1120 a.m let it warm you up on this chilly night joining us now is someone that watches everything that goes on in the county like a hawk Tom Sullivan how are you
4: doing fine Ryan
3: Went through an election. Uh, went through more comments coming into the county council. And You were listening to them yesterday. It sounds like there are a lot more comments that came on and came in talking about COVID and everything going on in the in the county.
4: Well, the county executive has said he was thinking about some more restrictions, so that always can uh, bring in some uh, a lot more comments. Still, a lot less than uh, last month, where we had two thousand two hundred thirty at, at just at just one uh, meeting. So the. Again, we have the uh, the same arguments being made. Some people are saying that that it's just to, to just put in all these restrictions and not considering all the ramifications just isn't a good idea. Then they're making the point that hospitals in St. Louis are filled up mostly with people from out of state. Well, uh, that's I don't know if you can argue against that, but the fact is they still are 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 filling up. Then of course you have the argument that they should focus on the people who are vulnerable you know, the elderly, people with pre-existing conditions, and not younger and healthier people. And uh, that's a, that's an argument that's been continually uh, been made. They also say you need to consider the economic and social impact. Uh, many small businesses are going out of business, and almost every day there's an announcement that a bar or a restaurant is uh, is closing. So when you look at the new restrictions that are coming back on again, uh, it's going to be even even tougher. Apparently the idea of the gathering size uh that's a maximum of forty nine is gonna be is gonna be lowered. And when you have the restaurant capacity at uh fifty percent is the tops. That is, that is likely to be uh that's gonna be lowered also. But uh they haven't been hasn't made clear what they what they're gonna be, but that looks like where he where the county executive is headed.
3: Yeah, we had some of those comments. You just heard it in the news we had here at KMOX at the top of the hour. And I think a lot of people are against closing things down again. I mean, even people that voted for Joe Biden in the election in the threat of having a nationwide lockdown. That even scares them, and they don't like the idea of it. And then you see people on Twitter, business owners, saying, we're coming up towards Christmas. This is our busiest season, and you want to close us down again? You're you're going to kill us here if you do something like that. I'm curious with the different comments that came into the county council yesterday. Were most of them in support or against uh, ramping up restrictions back again in the county?
4: Uh, they, are, they are against the overwhelming... Uh, about two or three months ago when we you know when the school year started and, and there was all these restric- restrictions on the sports, that was when you had quite a core of people who are who are just um you know they 're seriously objecting to how this is all being handled and, and almost every week they are uh they are hitting on uh sam page uh some of the comments are a little bit over the top, but most of them are pretty well thought out some of these people have you know they 're just saying that it it the collateral damage that's being caused by all this is, is may not be worth it. And uh, Sam Page, you know, he's bound, been accused just looking at it from the medical standpoint, which is not unusual since he's a, he's a doctor. But it looks like we're going into uh, more restrictions.
3: Yeah. So when you hear these different comments and they read these things off, for the most part, how are the other county council members that are listening to these things, how do they fall in line with adding more restrictions? Are they mostly for or against it?
4: Uh, it's kind of split. We have, uh, it, it's almost like the people who are for uh, Sam Page. He's got, um, I guess right now, he's got like three pretty strong supporters on the council. But remember that the, um, the council voted, passed an, an ordinance that says that if the county executive is going to have an emergency uh, orders in effect for more than 15 days, it needs to have uh, council approval. Well, the county executive vetoed that, and you need five votes to override it. So um, um, it's, it did not go into effect. So and I think that kind of that rubs people the wrong way, too. So, you know, there's still quite a, quite a division on, on, uh, on the whole issue.
3: Have you found out anything new when it comes to the chief medical officer at Mercy and the whole Sam Page deal with the connections with Mercy? I know you were digging into that.
4: Oh uh, yeah. Well, it turns out that the, the who was a uh, the chief medical officer who is retired from from Mercy. Uh, he is on the cares committee and he's actually being paid. Uh, he's being paid eighty dollars an hour. And of course, the issue has been raised if that's a conflict of interest. At last night's meeting, there was entered into the record uh, a letter from Mark, Council members Mark Carter and Tim Fitch. They want to have the um, county counsellor investigate whether or not Sam page is violating the county charter by um by uh go, by continuing on part time job as an anesthesiologist and one of the things they also want the county counsellor to look at is if there's a conflict of interest or if or if mercy Hospital has gotten any favorable treatment I would not expect that there's going to be any uh any great uh, investigation but uh that's just one more thing in this in this uh Whole uh, whole episode, and also we we have we continually have problems with so much is being done in secret. Uh, the the committee that that was supposed to decide on the funding for 173.5, they had no meetings in public, they would not answer any questions from the public. Now we have another committee which is supposedly the economic recovery, uh, and uh, we're kind of in in the same way. In fact, I just asked the other day for all the member who all the members are, and just was established on a couple of months ago and it still isn't known who's who are members of the committee so oh. the, the county just is, is not handling things as, as well as they should have communications would go quite a long ways and uh, it's been lacking
3: I don't get this. So the whole idea, oh, don't worry, we'll be so transparent. Everything will be so transparent. Then you have to fight like crazy to get some even basic information like this, like who's on the panel. You know, this should be public information. What, one other thing I was going to ask you about, because I saw this pop up on social media. So when it comes to COVID spending, was there a little controversy when it came to Wesley Bell's office and hanging TVs using COVID money for that?
4: Uh, yeah, uh, that issue has been raised. Wesley Bell is kind of an ally of uh Sam Page and there's people thinking that uh uh the county executive is, is uh letting him spend pretty freely. Uh he testified before the uh budget budget committee uh not long ago. Every year they go through all this. And um supposedly he wanted uh big screen TVs in order for you know, for supposedly for taking depositions via video or something like this, and then it turns out they weren't being used for that, and they, there were pictures going on social media where they put the frames in just in his office uh, so uh whenever they never really got to uh what the uh what the situation is with that but Wesley Bell is a guy who uh who likes to spend money i in the comments when he was when he was given his presentation, uh, I told the council they need to be pretty careful in watching him because. If you recall last year, he he, uh, came out, he put over $800 $800 on a county credit card for a meal in Florida for himself and some of his staffers. uh, That included $150 for lobster, $59 for a rack of lamb and liquor. Then he spent $304 at a restaurant at Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, then he spent one hundred twenty nine dollars at the sushi restaurant in Clayton. So, <laughs> oh, man. He, I said, "You got to kind of watch this guy. He's always wanting more money, saying if you give us more money, we're going to save money." You know, I've, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that argument.
3: Yeah, this is taxpayer money, by the way. So I don't know if you've ever traveled, and the company will say, "Oh, we'll, we'll buy your meal for you." Normally that. It's fast food. <laughs> it's not like you're going out and buying a steak meal. I can't think of a nice steak meal that. Uh, and by the way, and the thing is, even if it were a company I worked for, it'd be their own private money that they would be spending. Whatever budgeted, this is taxpayer money. It's going out there
4: buying lobster. Well, I, I should point out that he he after some of this came to light, he he repaid it. Uh, he he was actually, I think it took him over like three months to make the information available, but. The post dispatch was on him about this, and he did not reveal all the information that, and, and he didn't realize that the post reporter also had receipts from a different source. So uh, he tried covering it up, and uh, then when it came out, he he paid for some of it. So again, he's he's a, he's a guy you got to keep a council needs to keep a close watch on.
3: Yeah, and part of this is Jane Duker was posting some of the receipts and things of Wesley Bell for these televisions that were being installed, and it was so expensive because you think about, okay, if you were going to install a TV in your home, like I just think about if I were to do the work myself, and I know it's always more expensive when you have people and professionals and you got union or whatever labor that has to come in and do it, but still, I I think about I can go to uh, a Best Buy or whatever. I can probably buy a big screen TV for a couple hundred bucks. The things are so cheap anymore. At most five hundred dollars for a TV, and then you can buy a frame for a hundred, and I would just be able to put it up real quick. Probably six hundred bucks for a nice TV framed. They spent fourteen thousand dollars to put up these big screens and monitors, and I'm thinking, how do you even get up to fourteen thousand dollars? How is that possible without there being something fishy going on in the background? So there's just when you see these things. It just makes me say enough of it already. I mean, like, how many of these things have to happen in the county before we realize we don't have enough oversight when it comes to our spending?
4: And that would be just the kind of thing that you would have the county auditor look at if if we had a uh, county <laughs> auditor. A county
2: auditor, I know we don't even have that.
3: We don't have a real auditor, so maybe we they'll write not. a really nice report up. Yeah, we still haven't. So, are they searching for one right now?
4: Uh, I believe the county auditor is uh, is on the way out. I think they got to have. They're going to probably going to find another job for him. Uh, he's a friend of Sam Page, and uh, I would guess that they're going to hire a new auditor. And most likely, the county auditor will end up somewhere in uh, in county government.
3: I don't get that too. Now, the person was hired specifically to be the auditor, right? This is this was a new hire at the time when Sam Page came in.
4: Yes. We've discussed it before and, and it's one of the most bizarre things i've ever uh, I've ever seen if you're going to hire a guy because he's your friend, find him a job that's uh a little little less visible has a little less visibility than than uh, being a county auditor but the guy has absolutely no credentials uh no experience for the job so why Sam page insisted that they hire him and then when it came out he spent a year never did a single audit sam page was still behind him saying he's still going to be the best auditor oh. ever and it's like this, i don't this think is so ridiculous
3: the whole thing is ridiculous because if you, if you were to hire someone in and they couldn't do the job, they haven't done the job and still can't do the job, what's the point of moving them around? It's not like the person had a long track record and you know, the department closed up and you, you know, they're two years from retirement or something. It's a brand new hire that you brought in that couldn't do the job. To me, if you eliminate that person, you don't move them somewhere else so they continue to stay on the taxpayer dime for something else who knows if, if they're qualified or not. You just, you I- just replace them.
4: I, I I agree but I it's it's just that Sam Page has some sort of loyalty to this guy and I cannot imagine uh they're just going to uh they're just gonna let him go. And remember the the actual the auditor actually answers to the county council, but but then again Sam Page is now in a position where he can uh he can give him any kind of job that mostly that he wants. So it's just a it's just a really strange situation and and you need an auditor more than ever in in uh in county government it would be nice to have somebody looking at this 173.5 million dollars that they're spending most of it we don't know where it's all going and uh that's something that an auditor could do and he's got a staff too he's got uh, there's three people there that actually needs to be expanded but that would be the that would be very helpful to have a really competent auditor to look into some of these things
3: Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe he'll be collecting old Christmas trees here soon for eighty grand a year. Uh, who knows what he'll be moving them over to. Uh, Tom Sullivan over in the county, you pay very close attention to these things, and I appreciate that you come on and explain it to us here on Overnight America. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. That's Tom Sullivan on the Quiver River Electric guest line. And, you know, another person that's great at explaining things is Brad Young. There's a Supreme Court battle going on right now. They're looking over Obamacare after they dropped that individual mandate and changed the way that they handle that. So it's being challenged yet again. So what does Brad think will happen there? We'll talk to him in about 15 minutes from now. Uh, Also coming up, I don't know if you saw this. Some other things leaked. Ooh. Leaked from the World Health Organization. Private recordings. You want to know what they said? We'll bring that up here in a moment, too, because this kind of plays into what we're seeing in the county with ramped up restrictions. This is Overnight America KMOX. Radio's
2: BS detector, Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's news radio, KMOX.
3: So you heard in the news there that in the county, it looks like there's going to be more restrictions put in place, maybe as soon as tomorrow, some announcements there. And you heard some of the clips from the county council meeting in Sam Page mentioning what needs to be done. I'm sure you'll hear more of that in the news here at KMOX. And the, the, the story is still developing. man. I mean, over the last couple of hours, we're starting to hear the rumblings of this sort of thing happening. And you'll see that online, too, I'm sure, at KMOX.com. Now, that's not the only thing when it comes to COVID and talking about COVID that we're trying to concern ourselves with. And I saw this posted earlier on Fox News. So the World Health Organization, we have a mixed relationship with them as a country. I think Joe Biden wants to buddy up with them, kind of looks at them as the gold standard when it comes to organizations. I wouldn't say that. But there's private recordings on pandemic talks. And what was said to the public is different than what they're saying behind the scenes. Well, wouldn't you know? (laughs) So the annual meeting is underway and the World Health Organization has been criticized for taking a stronger and more vocal role in handling the pandemic And Fox News is reporting this finds out that under intense pressure to reform as U.S. President-elect Joe Biden will reverse decisions if he gets into office here. And it's probably one of the very first things he'll do in January when he gets into office. All signs point to that happening. So what you find in these internal meetings is that top scientists describe some countries' approaches as, quote, unfortunate laboratory to study the virus, end quote, and an opportunity to see what worked, what didn't work and how that worked in their responses. So what does that mean? Well, it means that through the World Health Organization and through the manipulation, what they mostly wanted to do was use this as an experiment. So maybe they weren't giving the best advice. Maybe they're using it as a way to study and say, well, let them. we might give bad advice, things that we don't think would be the right thing to do for this country, but we're going to let it see how it plays out, and that way we'll know for the future. That's them playing with a lot of people's lives purposely, playing around with it like it's some sort of video game or a simulation, and they just wanted to see how it goes. That's a little scary, right? And you know what it also is? It just proves that the manipulation from the World Health Organization was there. So let's say, let's just say that they were cozied up to China and for whatever reason wanted to satisfy the the needs of China or at least the appearance of it because they were afraid to get on China's bad side. So they downplayed or maybe didn't really give all the correct information on what was coming out of that country at first. What repercussions did that have? You know, uh, it also says critics who say the WHO's traditional aversion to confronting its countries come at a high price. Uh, Japan, France, Britain made repeated mistakes. However, they were praised, even though they were making mistakes, mostly because they buddied up to the World Health Organization. And I think Donald Trump and the United States witnessed this, saw this and said, no, 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 no. If, if this is an organization that's playing politics as opposed to giving real health advice to the world is the world health organization then what's the point for us to continue to fund them if they're making this into a game if anything this makes donald trump's approach to the world health organization look a lot better now if let's say joe Biden decides he gets an office and he wants to buddy back up and get with the world health organization how can you trust them as an organization how can you trust that they're going to give The real deal here, as opposed to something that is uh, manipulation in order to just kind of play around if you're on the good side or not. That's scary. And then do you really want to be buddied up to an organization that's going to be doing that? Um, People said it would be politically unwise for them to be too outspoken unless countries give the agency more power. But uh, Germany and France have recently uh, proposed that. To me, it just shows that the integrity is missing from the World Health Organization. They have been missing that for a long time. And if anything, if you're going to play the game that China wants you to play in order to flatter them, even if it's the wrong thing or the uh, lie, then that's a problem. That's not how the organization should be working. And how often do we see that in other major large organizations that Donald Trump decided to take on? Let's look at the United Nations, for example. How in the world do you have some of the biggest human rights violators sit on panels that discuss and try to talk about human rights for the world? How do you do that? In general, how do you just continue to um, not hold other countries accountable when they should be held accountable and then chastise and scold the United States? Uh, Why is it that? This is uh, uh, playing the politics from the United Nations Got Old. And I can see why they would want to pull out of that. Well, Joe Biden's the opposite way. He'd rather play the politics because, hey, that's just what you do when you're a lifetime politician, I guess. Is it beneficial to your country? No. If if you're really looking for what's in the best interest of your country, you would be standing up against them. You'd be standing up against countries like China. And it's unfortunate because if Donald Trump does leave office here in a couple of weeks because of... Uh, Joe Biden taking the presidency, all of that will be reversed and we'll just get back to being the the punching bag for the world. We'll go ahead and, you know, take that or whatever. And then everything that goes on behind the scenes and all the money that we dish out and seeing nothing in return and then getting soft on all of these people that are huge violators are just uh, by the wayside, not a concern of us anymore. That's a shame. But if you wanted to see that, Fox News posted a story up online. It's worth checking out that behind the scenes, they're much different than what's in the front. Probably not a surprise to most people listening to this program. Coming up in a few moments, Brad Young will talk about the Supreme Court in the debate that's going on in the Supreme Court regarding Obamacare. Is it going to get overturned? Yes or no? Well, we have a new dynamic in the Supreme Court, so there could be something to that or not. He'll explain. He does a great job with it. It's
1: Overnight America, KMOX.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: Sports' most familiar rite of spring is now a fall classic. Golf's most prestigious event, the Masters. And this weekend, KMOX Sports brings it to you live. Coverage of the 84th Masters Tournament, third and final round, Saturday beginning at 11 a.m., Sunday morning beginning at 10. The Masters, hear it here on America's Sports Voice. KMOX.
3: Joining us now from Harris, Dahl, Fisher, and Young. He is a contributor not only to the radio station, but to this show. It's Brad Young. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, sir. Thank you. I almost wanted to say a contributor to my heart because I always enjoy the times (laughs) we have together. And then that last little bit, I thought, no, that might be a little bit weird. Uh, So whenever there's these legal matters that are going on in the Supreme Court, there's a big one. And we knew this was coming up the Supreme Court, and the challenges to the Affordable Care Act. So I was hoping that you might be able to talk about how they're challenging the Affordable Care Act this time and what you think might happen.
5: Well, a brief synopsis. This is going to be the third time this case has come up to the Supreme Court. And essentially, last time, the the issue was this. Does the federal government have the power under the Constitution to force Americans to buy something? I mean you can tax, you can regulate, you can do all kinds of things, but can the federal government force you to buy a product? And the answer to that is generally no. There is no power under the Constitution to do that. So when this case went up to the Supreme Court last time, the question is whether it was unconstitutional. Justice Roberts sided with the with the Liberals, stating in a five to four decision at the time that this wasn't a requirement to buy something as much as it was a tax if you failed to buy something. So then it was legal under the taxing authority of the Constitution. Uh, that was a little bit on weak ground, but at least I understood it, uh, and that was, in essence, the that decision. So then when President Trump was elected, the Republican Congress uh, at the time eliminated the tax penalty for a person's failure to purchase health insurance. Mm-hmm. So now it's back up to the Supreme Court because now the issue is in the absence of a tax penalty, can the entire or should the entire Obamacare Affordable Care Act be struck down as unconstitutional? Or can you simply sever that provision of the law that requires people to purchase insurance? That's the entire issue in a nutshell
3: yeah it's the word sever is the word i think i heard brett kavanaugh bring up because you've been listening to some of the oral arguments and i hear the little clips in the news every once in a while which by the way it is weird to hear the justices voices as they're debating something as big as this because i'm just not used to hearing that that's got to be kind of cool for you though to have the ability to actually hear the thought process as it's coming out of the justices mouths
5: Oh well, it is. And that's a that's a new development. It's a recent development at the Supreme Court. Uh, I'm glad that it's there because it's good to hear the questions, because a lot of times justices ask questions not to advance a position, but they ask a question, uh, kind of what's called the straw man argument, where they throw out a question that seems negative, but it's really giving a party an opportunity. You know, it's like they're throwing it right down the middle of the plate underhanded, So that the uh, the attorneys can knock it out of the park. But you can't tell that whenever the question is written, you have to hear it. Mm. So uh, it's good to be able to hear those questions because you can judge what the point of the question is from those specific justices.
3: Well, that's really getting thrown into the fire. I guess if you're Amy Coney Barrett, your very first case that you get to hear is this. That's a pretty uh, big one. Yeah, yeah, they're not—they're not, they're
5: not uh, debating an ankle sprain case uh, with their first case. I mean, it's—it's it's only the biggest legislation in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the court.
3: I know. So now they're—they're they're hearing the arguments. They're hearing the different sides to these arguments. <laughs> Excuse me. So the differences that we've seen before, uh, the Supreme Court looks a little bit different. So that's Ruth Bader Ginsburg now. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett so there's a little different dynamic you have the legislation that changed that individual mandate the uh, what the individual would be forced to pay for not purchasing the penalty I guess of that is removed so we saw that under the Trump administration so there's a couple of different variables do you expect different results or do you think it'll be the same result of what the Supreme Court has concluded in the past
5: Well, I think it'll be the same result. Only the mandate will be stricken from the law. And I'm very strong in that opinion for this reason. Just last year, the Supreme Court ruled in a seven to two case. Of course, that was with Justice Ginsburg present, but it was still seven to two. And it joined a long line of cases dealing with whether provisions in an act can be severed or not. And the general rule, and this isn't complicated at all, the general rule is is that there should be a what's called a severability clause in a statute. In other words, a lot of statutes say if any provision of this law is stricken, then the entire law shall be stricken. We put that in contracts a lot of times. In fact, I put that in a lot of contracts that states that uh, whether any provision of this contract is stricken as being unconstitutional, either the entire contract stands or the entire contract falls. If you look at the Affordable Care Act, there is no severability clause. In other words, there's no clause in the law that states if any portion of this law is stricken as being unconstitutional, then the entire statute is unconstitutional. There's nothing like that in the Affordable Care Act. So just last year, the Supreme Court ruled seven to two that in the absence of a severability clause, the court will interpret that as meaning that Congress has no problem with severing portions of a law that are unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So how does that apply to the to the Obamacare Act? It's very simple. In the absence of a severability clause, I think it's gonna be overwhelming, probably six to three perhaps, I don't think it'll be seven to two, but it'll certainly be six to three at least, stating that since Congress did not include a severability clause in this law, we can remove the mandate that people buy insurance and still allow the law to be uh, valid.
3: Wow severability, it's too bad they didn't hear this a few weeks ago because that would have fit well with Halloween. Just the terminology of it all would have just been a nice tie-in. Maybe that's a little bit too much marketing for the Supreme Court to work on it on that sense so yeah (laughs) i'm wondering this argument um so who makes this case Does does the supreme court look at it and say well we this is a clear case of severability um and that's what we should do or is it one of the sides arguing this at this point is it maybe that's the Let's say the the, the the Democrats that want to uphold the Obamacare Act say, okay, we want to at least keep most of it, so we'll argue severability, and the Republicans are trying to throw it all out. Or what exactly, who's arguing what at this point?
5: Well, Texas has been the lead plaintiff on this challenge. And Texas's position is this, that if you look at uh, the Obamacare Act, the entire concept of its funding, of its purpose, and how it operates depends upon everyone being required to purchase insurance. In other words, if you remove the the requirement that everyone buy health insurance, if you remove that, then it disrupts the entire internal mechanism of the funding of Obamacare. So if you if you want to look at it like if you ever used to play that game Mousetrap, mm-hmm. you know the question the the question with Mousetrap was at what point, you know, can you remove parts of the mousetrap and still make it functional? The argument of Texas is If you remove the mandate to purchase insurance, then the entire law has to fall because it cannot meet the purpose for which it was enacted. The response to that is, well, you know what? Since the penalty has been removed and uh, the tax penalty has been removed, people could stop buying insurance at any time. And there's no penalty, even though it says in the law you have to buy it. Uh, There's no penalty if you don't. And Obamacare continues to work, you know, arguably well or not well, but it still continues to operate. So those are, the, the, in essence, the two arguments for and against the severability provision.
3: Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever actually seen anyone play Mousetrap. I've seen them set it up and then catch the mouse and then put it away after that. I don't know if I've actually seen the game ever played. (laughs) But, okay, that's fascinating. So what would happen to the actual marketplaces because I remember when Obamacare first came in the whole idea is oh man if you just get so many people into the system it'll drive the prices down for all of the different people and it'll be cheaper that way kind of like you know big box store Walmart philosophy the more locations the cheaper you can offer things and you know it's a win for everyone but Ultimately, what ended up happening was you found that it was flooded with people that were either not paying into it, Medicare, Medicaid, maybe they didn't realize they're eligible. And then on top of that, there were some subsidies from some states, other states didn't have them, and it was skyrocketing the prices. So the prices went in the opposite direction. So what essentially happens to the marketplace after something like this? Um, Does anything happen to it? Does it just ride out as an option or do we even know?
5: Well, I think we do know. We know. Uh, I think we know legally, and I think I know practically because uh, in my law firm, I'm the guy that has to pick our company health insurance plan. So I've seen how this has evolved over the last few years. Plans are getting more and more expensive uh, quicker, I think, than anyone planned, Certainly, greater than the the, uh, the inflation rate at the moment, because fewer people are buying insurance who who don't need it. In other words, if someone is 22 years old, completely healthy. Uh, and their employer doesn't provide it, they're not buying health insurance. And so when you lose that aspect, then what you're getting is the folks who have enormous medical costs are buying health insurance, which is driving up the cost for everyone. Mm -hmm. So in essence, really, we're going to continue to move in this direction where the insurance will become more expensive. The government funding aspects of Obamacare will continue to increase at a rate greater than the rate of inflation. Then the question becomes, how does Congress and the president whoever that might be, how are they going to deal with this issue politically? It's been a hot-button issue for the last uh, two to four years. And that's not going to change any time in the
3: future. Oh, yeah. And let's say there is a Biden administration that pops in. Who knows how funding will go, budgeting and such to states that try to continue to uh, fund this thing that has just been a complete money pit. And uh, so many other questions that are involved with it. I guess. But this helps break it down. So they hear the arguments. Do we get an idea of how long arguments last and when we could hear a decision on this? Or is it just indefinite? And we will find out when we find out.
5: Well, generally speaking, the court doesn't publicize when they're going to re, re, uh, uh, come out with a decision, although always it's before generally the end of May, beginning of June, the following year. Uh, but if the justices are pretty unanimous or close to being unanimous on this point, we could certainly see a decision long before that, very quickly. Procedurally, what happens is that the, uh, the, uh, the justices will circulate draft memos of their positions between all the clerks. And if there's general consensus on how to move forward, we could see a decision early next year. Now, if those decisions have to go round and round for multiple rewrites, then it will take it longer into the term and push it closer to summer.
3: Great. So I understand you're going to be spending some time on overtime tomorrow. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Lots of fun. Uh, uh, Amy
5: is running, I think, tomorrow tomorrow. Uh, for her Backstoppers promotion, where she's running, I think, 45 miles. (laughs) It's insane in a six-hour time frame. uh, She's like the Terminator. So she's running tomorrow to raise money for Backstoppers, so I'll be sitting in with Charlie because
3: I don't think she can do overtime while she's uh, jogging. That is her overtime. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, to be able to, to do that? And she does that for fun, which is also Pretty amazing. Um, I would look at that as torture myself if I were to be forced to do something along those lines. Cruel and unusual punishment, I think is how the courts would look at it. Uh, exactly. Just
5: let me contrast. Let me contrast with you, Ryan. While she's out running during overtime, I'll be sitting comfortably drinking coffee and eating a donut while I'm talking <laughs> on overtime. So that will be the difference between Amy and myself.
3: <laughs> Brad Young from Harris, Tal Fisher and Young. Thank you so much for coming on, talking Supreme Court with us tonight. My pleasure. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line on Overnight America KMOX.
2: Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com.
3: Overnight America is live, and unless it's not. Isn't that always the truth, though? But we post the podcast at Ryan Wrecker Radio on the Facebook page if you want to get some links to it on there. Better yet, how about you subscribe to the podcast? I would love it if you would just go and give us a little love and download the podcast when it comes out. We post it every night. Producer Mike is so fast to get that up there. It's almost lightning fast. In fact, he probably even posts it before I'm done speaking. Somehow he has this ability to travel through time, get the audio, and then push it right back out. Don't ask me how he does it. It's kind of a strange thing. I think the government's looking into him. In the next hour after the news, Marine Captain Frank Biggio is going to join us. He's author of The Wolves of Helmand, A View from Inside the Den of Modern Wars. With him as a veteran, in being Veterans Day, I thought we can talk to him about some of his experiences. And hopefully you had that chance today to call a veteran in your life someone that means a lot to you. And let them know that not only do you appreciate them, but... That you love them and you care for them. And if you miss the opportunity to do that today, uh, you don't have to wait till next year to do it. You can do it tomorrow. might be a little bit late to do it right now. So you don't have to wait like once a year. Oh, it's Veterans Day, a reminder to reach out. No. I mean, you can do it more often. These uh, great fine heroes of our country that served and loved country so much that they went out there and put their uh, blood, sweat, and tears on the line for it. So, KMOX.com. We're still watching and trying to figure out what exactly is going to happen. Are there going to be more restrictions, more lockdowns? You heard in the news here with Maria Kina and some of the other different news of the potential in the county of getting more restrictions announced tomorrow, scaring a lot of local businesses. And what if the city decides to use that? power too what if they decide to ramp things up leading into Thanksgiving and Christmas two of the biggest shopping holidays and all these businesses are thinking to themselves how the world am I ever going to recover if you take away all the opportunities for people to come into my store Uh, Mayor Krusen from earlier today as part of a video address in her office
1: because we have no statewide uh direction in terms of mask mandates each county gets to make their own decision um You know, I wish we had a statewide mask mandate, and I wish all of those counties that everyone there would wear a mask as well. You know, the higher mask compliance and social distancing compliance that we can get, um, the lower our numbers will be.
3: How about over on the Illinois side? Governor Pritzker.
5: Across the state, the majority of our regions are seeing far higher rates of hospitalizations for COVID-19 than they ever did last spring. Outside of Cook and the Collar counties, much of Illinois' communities are experiencing the worst surge that they've seen yet.
3: And there is an uptick for sure, and it is scary to see this sort of uptick. Also scary for all the business owners that just finally weathered probably one of the biggest economic storms they've ever seen in the entire time that they were open. I mean, we've gone through some pretty tough times. Go back to 2008, some of the issues there with the uh, housing crisis and some people that maybe were investing or just getting into business at the time. What a tough time. Now, you just you force the ability to have your business and doors shut under penalty of law. And then what do you do then? Yeah, two times in one year? good luck i mean how many businesses are you going to see go under but I think that's what Joe Biden wants to do. He's looking at nationwide lockdowns yet again. That's scary. I wonder, too, how the schools are going to handle this, because locally speaking, every district, school district, is kind of handling it a certain way. You know, they might do all virtual. They might offer virtual, but also offer in person. They might have a couple of days here. They might have them all in here. You know, everyone kind of has their ability to do certain things, and I saw this on KMOX.com that over in Wentzville in their school district have voted to return all high school students and middle students... um, middle school students to 100% virtual 100% unanimously they all wanted the kids to do that that's tough if you're a parent that's probably something that's troubling to you too oh not another all virtual they finally got back into person think about everything that the kids have missed, and I feel really terrible for my son who at the age of six is just uh, allowed to go in a couple days a week and then other days it's just virtual, but he thinks this is just what school is all about. It's, it's normal to him. The days that he's in school, I think, oh, thank goodness, we get a little bit of break around the house. Um, of course, you want the teachers and you want everyone else to be safe, but, you know, we monitor these things, and the districts are pretty good at informing you when there's certain people that have been exposed and luckily speaking, we haven't seen large outbreaks inside of schools, have we? I mean, you may have heard of instances where, oh, the students went to a party on the weekend and uh, brought it back in. It wasn't the spread at the school. The The procedures that the schools put in place have been working. Normally, it's, all oh, they were exposed outside of the classroom, and then they had to quarantine and stay away from all the other students that were coming in. So, Wentzville, uh, who, who, how many uh, else, or how many other school districts may actually be headed down that same road. I don't know. Another story at KMOX.com. Future of business travel unclear as virus has upended work. So people have been looking at the way travel and traveling inside of companies and the way that they handle these things. Nine months into the pandemic, says thousands of workers from home have been dialing in as opposed to boarding planes, going out as town for this sort of thing. And they say this is just the new normal. They have the resources. They don't have to leave their house. In fact, they probably wear shorts. If they're lucky, they have pants on, but they probably have something that's non-professional. Uh, you know, if it's down underneath the desk, they can't see it, right? So you got the Zoom camera on and you got the the, the the collared shirt up top and everything looks great. And then, oh nope, how about underneath that? I see how many people are in pajamas when they work from home. I wear sweatpants to work. Isn't that great? When I go to work, I don't, but I wear it from home. It's kind of a nice advantage. So... Maybe some people prefer to stay at home, prefer not traveling, do these sort of things. But then they look at that as a bigger industry. It says work travel represented $8.9 trillion in tourism in 2019. 21% of travel was work travel. Then you cut that out, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars lost. You know what's scary too? I saw this and we'll talk about it later in the show. Should working from home be taxed? There's a MarketWatch story about that. We'll, we'll take some of your input on it, but that scares me too. Isn't that one of the crazy ways that we've been looking at it? And that's how it's been politicized. One side says, no, open things up and let people continue to make money so they can keep their business. The other side says, no, we need to close everything down, and then we'll just tax you from work from home to make up the difference between the lost revenue that would have came in through sales tax and things like that. Two different ways to look at it, I guess. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll get to your news coming up right after the hour. And don't forget, download the podcast. It's the Overnight America podcast, or go like me on Facebook, Ryan Record Radio. This is Overnight America, KMOX.
2: Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand